Buck back third down on the eight. In trouble. Got a block behind him. Going to throw on the run. Complete to the 25, to the 30. Lindsey Scott, 35, 40. Lindsey Scott, 45, 50, 45, 40. Run, Lindsey. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Lindsey Scott, Lindsey Scott, Lindsey Scott. Well, I can't believe it. 92 yards and Lindsey really got in the foot race. I broke my chair. I came right through a chair. A metal steel chair with about a five-inch cushion. I broke it. The booth came apart. Well, the stadium. Well, the stadium fell down. Now they do have to renovate this thing. They have to rebuild it now. This is this is incredible. You know, this game has always been called the world's greatest cocktail party. Do you know what is going to happen here tonight? End up in St. Simon's and Jekyll Island and all those places where all those dog people have got these condominiums for four days? Man, is there going to be some property destroyed tonight? I didn't mean to beg Lindsay to run, but I had to. 26-21, dogs on top. We were gone. I gave up. You did too. We are out of it and gone. Miracle. (laughs) How on earth do you top that? (laughs) I'm not even going to try. Hi, my name is Scott Duvall. You are listening to episode 21 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast, the Georgia-Florida preview show. That was Jack and Walker. You just heard reenacting one of Larry Munson's most iconic calls of all time. Great job, boys. November 8, 1980, Georgia quarterback Buck Ballou called the play L-76 and aided by a key block behind him from Nate Hudson, connected on an 18-yard curl route to wide receiver Lindsey Scott over the middle of the field. Scott made the grab and raced 93 yards for the touchdown. Georgia beat Florida 26-21, a key victory for Dooley's Dogs, which helped catapult UGA to the 1980 National Championship. Fast forward 35 years, and it's Georgia-Florida week all over again, and first place in the SEC East is waiting for the winner of this game. Might Georgia still be on pace for a special season? Only time will tell. Can Grayson Lambert regain his form of completing passes at a record pace? Can Malcolm Mitchell come up with some huge receptions, as he did in this game back in 2012? Or could this game be one on defense for the Dogs as they look for some redemption from a year ago? We'll all find out soon enough as Georgia takes on Florida on All Hallows' Eve this Saturday at 3.30 on CBS. And without further delay, please welcome my co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller. Will, get us started. Uh, First off, Tony, are there any news updates? What have we missed in the two weeks? Is everybody healthy? Is everybody in good shape? How's everybody feeling? Uh, getting there, getting there. Uh, Coach Rick today said he felt like felt pretty comfortable that Isaiah McKenzie would play. Uh, still no word on Jenkins, but you know it's just, that's one of those day by day things. Uh, and who was it, John? It was Atkins that was hurt. No news on him. Okay. And of course, I, I'm assuming everybody saw. Uh, I think it was Mark Bradley's piece today about how Mark Rick may look about look to go to Miami. Which he seemed to pull completely out of an orifice. Uh, I, I'm familiar with that. He actually pulled that. He pulled that out of the files from the 2009 yeah. uh, from the 2009 <laughs> column yeah. Yeah. and his 2007 column and his 2002 column. I straight up don't read Mark Bradley anymore. I just can't do it. Yeah, I, I certainly I'm fully aware of the oh crap I've got a deadline I have to fill a page uh, notion. Uh, but certainly you know I, I feel like you know we we all have some weak ones in our time. But you try not to recycle those. So so you're saying that Mark Richt is not going to Miami. Well, I mean anything can happen, but no. <laughs> 
for one, Miami's not going to pay him what Georgia pays him. Two, why would you at this point want to rebuild? Yeah. It makes no sense to me. Just retire. Yeah, yeah, and like also. The dirty secret about Miami is it's not actually that great of a job anymore. <laughs> it's really not a great job. They don't even have that good of a – to me, imagine going from Georgia and having the fan base that Georgia has to Miami where they have trouble filling the stadium. Uh, it's, I, it's difficult to understand even if you, you went to school there. I don't live in Champaign either. You don't always have to just go home. Sure. So, all right, when you – I'm curious how everybody feels uh, in, in the wake of it, all that happened over the weekend. This is still, uh, other than a brief scare, where it looked like Tennessee was, I never, I wouldn't say a scare. I don't think Alabama ever looked scared. But certainly, you know, Tennessee had the ball with a chance to take the lead in the last two minutes. And they didn't really move the ball very far, but they had the ball with a chance to do that. But now it is cleared out. This game is for the, essentially, not 100%, but essentially for the SEC East. If Florida wins, I think the only team that can catch them is Vanderbilt. <laughs> and, uh, and if Georgia wins, they'll still have to win out. But no matter what, this is the SEC East game. And it's Florida. It's Florida, and screw those guys. Oh, I completely agree with that. With that. I mean, <laughs> even, if, even if we were out of the SEC East race, I don't want to win the game merely because of Florida. I mean, I, I put Florida's number one with a bullet for a reason. Scott, are you building up some nice animosity toward uh, toward Florida this week? You had Auburn number one in your rankings, but th- th- this feels big even for for Florida, Georgia. Oh, I never have a problem with hating Florida. It was discussed last week. I've been down there way too many times and left Jacksonville with my tail tucked. And I was really disappointed last year when both my boys went down with me. I talked it up like it was going to be this great experience, and not only did we get beat by what three touchdowns. It was one of the coldest games last year that I have ever experienced in firsthand. And about the third quarter, my boys, uh, my my six year old at the time, his lips were turning blue. So I don't have any uh, any problem getting up for this game and and for Florida Hate Week. One of the fun things about this game this year, it's it's kind of sad actually from a Georgia fan perspective. But of course, you know, Georgia is basically in the position that Florida was in last year. <laughs> the idea that this is all set up for Florida, you know, even with the loss to LSU, a game that they I really felt they you know they hung in with. This is a chance to ruin it for Florida. Florida, it's all set up for them. All they have to do is win this game against a Georgia team that doesn't have Nick Chubb and has, still has some injuries on the defensive side and has quarterback we'll call them issues on one hand it's a little bit more exciting and i like yeah let's get it back for last year on the other hand you don't really want to be you, you want to be in the position where, where losing this game ruins your season as opposed to piling on to uh adding on to what's been a frustrating perhaps even lost season if you lose well statistically georgia and florida are very evenly matched and I, you know you can say you yeah, that's always the fallback of the team that's catching three and a half points. But the fact of the matter is, is that if you look at the common opponents, Tennessee and Missouri, we both did about the same thing. Florida was a little more efficient in converting third downs. Pretty much everyone was than Georgia was against Missouri. But Florida didn't have to uh, defend a, literally a two-foot field for a touchdown against Missouri. And again, that's, that's Georgia's own doing. But, you know, statistically we match up fairly evenly with them. The the biggest concern I think we have to consider for Georgia is that they have a very good defense, and we have struggled mightily against very good defense. They haven't done great, but they've done better than us. You turn around, uh, their offense is really rest on what what Trayvon Harris can do uh, running the ball. So there's no mystery there. 
I think they only threw the ball seven, eight times last year for 40-something yards. They didn't have to. Coach Fred Taylor, uh, right now, just broke a run off the broke a run off the right side for 40 yards. So I like the matchup. I'm, I'm still not – I think we have a chance to win. You think about pass to victory. We play solid defense and don't give up some stupid special teams thing. We're going to be in the game. Tony, it's Trayon Harris, and it is Fred Taylor played for Florida many years ago. And then for the Jacksonville Jaguars, it's his son. Yes, it's his son. Kelvin, Kelvin Taylor. Anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm being nitpicky there. And just trying to be kind of mean. It's easier to be mean when you're face-to-face. It's harder <laughs> to be mean when you're on the phone. But, yeah, you mentioned the passing stats. Last year, Florida was, or Trayon Harris was 3 of 6 for 27 yards passing. Okay. And I overestimated. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is, Georgia threw for 319 yards last year and ran for 141, but... As we all know, the difference was made up in rushing yardage where Georgia gave up a staggering 418 yards rushing to Florida. You know, it was a train that got going and just kept rolling downhill. And I think the key of the game, I can't really quote it game per game over the years, but it seems like Georgia always, if they're going to lose to Florida, there's always a missed field goal or some screwy special team. So I really hope that during the off week, we buckled down on our special teams, and I hope Marshall Morgan has kicked probably 150 field goals in practice getting ready for this game. There's a lot of things that are very different from last year, particularly from Georgia's perspective. One, of course, there's no way that Florida's running for 400 yards in this game. Uh, even even with some, some of the injuries uh, that Georgia's had, and whether everyone's back or not, you know, you're right. That was a game last year where the ball just, just everything just kind of got rolling downhill. It got out of hand. Which to me brings to the second way that this game is very different. It did feel like last year Georgia was just not up for this game. It felt like they were kind of looking past it a little bit because it was all kind of set up for them. The way this season has gone, both teams have had the off week. It's hard to imagine a scenario. I'll put it this way. If Georgia is not up for this game this week, I actually am concerned about the coaches' preparation because this is a game... Like this, this game's the season. Any any way to achieve some of the goals you want into the season, coming into the season, even with the losses to Alabama and Tennessee, this is a game you absolutely have to win. So if they're not up for this game, if they if they come in as listless as they did last year, I'm very concerned in a in a larger macro sense, more than just this. We can we can just we can you know explain away last year they were looking past them they you know they were clearly the better team they just they were they weren't quite ready. If they play like that this game. That's on the coaching staff. Yeah, and Scott, you might disagree with me on this, but I think that was easily uh, Jeremy Pruitt's worst coaching effort. Um, we, we did exactly the second, same thing in the second half we did in the first half. It was almost like, well, surely they can't come out and still keep running off that right side. And lo and behold, they did. I squarely put the Florida game last year on the coaches for not preparing the team. And it's not like. You know, look, it's Florida. You should never have to get your team up for Florida. But the fact of the matter is is that we weren't prepared in a way that was really hard to fathom, especially defensively. You know, offensively, we didn't look, we didn't look terrible. We had a couple of bad breaks. Fine. But part of the reason we didn't score many points is we never, we never got the ball. I mean, they were just ripping off, you know, these, these five- and six-minute drives on, you know, 12-play, 75-yard manhood-robbing drives. And it's just really disheartening when you see that. 
so I'm with you, Will. If we come down there and just completely crap the bed, you do have to start questioning a lot about mental and physical preparation on the part of the coaches and, and their ability to get the team rallied for a big game. I agree with you, Tony. I think the onus of the loss last year definitely falls square upon the coaching staff. And the same would go for South Carolina. I think two out of the three losses last year can be directed at maybe the defense wasn't quite ready. Jeremy Pruitt maybe was still trying to install you know, to where they're not thinking but reacting out there. And so we could analyze this thing six ways to Sunday. It's just kind of it's just this weird, funky matchup lately that has us all discombobulated. And I think the only way that we're going to feel good is if we're out to a two-touchdown lead and things seem to be clicking. And then we're still going to have sweaty palms throughout the entire game. That's just how it is. And you know what? That's how it should be because it's Georgia-Florida. It gets talked about in the media. It's one of the great rivalries in college football. So here's a scary question for you guys. What team has the better quarterback? Florida, but he took PED, so he can't play. <laughs> okay. um, fine, fine. Yes, yes. It was accidental. <laughs> it was an unprepared supplement. Careful, careful. Yeah, but I mean, uh, it's a legit. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Don't move my narrative around. Let me have fun with it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. This is, the, this is Florida, Georgia. But, I mean, to me, that is, you know, Will, Smith, I'm, so- I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you've got to start calling it Georgia, Florida. Oh, I know. I know it upsets your sensibility, and you're. I mean, you're. You're an excellent writer, and you're just one of the most the smartest guys I know. And, but you can't go alphabetical here. <laughs> uh, you know that's weird because a lot of listeners, eagle-eyed, eagle-eyed, eagle-eared. I guess the eagles have good ears. Owl-eared. I think they're deaf. Actually, whatever animal hears really well, elephant ear, bat, bat, bat-eared listeners will note that every sentence I've ever said on this podcast has actually been put together in alphabetical order, each word by word. But not a lot of people have noticed that. It's a little kind of an acrostic a little game I've been playing with the listeners, but uh, for I hope everyone's finally knows. So that's why I had to put Florida before Georgia, just because for, that, for that reason. But you're right, Georgia, Florida. To me, we've spent so much time making fun of Harris the last couple of years, and I think he's better than Georgia's quarterback right now. I'm just wondering how many listeners at home were going through the alphabet like I was just to correct Tony's work on that. I was going A, B, C, D. Okay, he's right on that. It is alphabetical. I'd never thought of it that way. No, it is fair to question my ability to grasp the alphabet. Well, I've already corrected you twice. I do have this question because you are, you're new to this. This is a new thing for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to be a lot more clear eyed about this probably than, than Scott and I will. What do you see? I'm worried about the quarterback. I'm sorry. I, I know I keep saying this, but, you know, I mean, this is now officially who Lambert is and who Georgia is. And for me, you know, even, even when we didn't know that Florida was going to be quite as good as they have been this year, we knew their defense was good. And we knew they had speed in the secondary. And even before we knew... Florida was going to be this good this year or as good as they've been so far. We knew their defense was going to be good. We knew they were going to have speed in the secondary. We knew that they had a lot of talent there and it was because there was a lot of talent there last year. So for me, that's the concern. They've gotten their offense working good enough to potentially win the SEC East. And I'm not sure Georgia does. That's the fear for me. I know it's Florida, and I know it's kind of a throw-out-the-records game. That's what you're supposed to do. In these rivalry games, you throw out the records. Though it's physically impossible to throw a record unless it's like a, you know, a disco record, like it's, it's uh, Comiskey Park in the 70s. 
to me, that is the worry with this game. I actually think Florida is the team I thought what Georgia was going to be. The offense was going to be good enough. The defense was going to be really good. But, you know, if Florida doesn't convert those two fourth downs, I realize you can't really play the wide-out game. If they lose to Tennessee, too. Does that, does that change the way you feel about them, Will? I mean, it does, but just a little. Because, honestly, like they've, okay. like, you know, they, they've put together what's the best performance that Georgia has put together this year. And does it compare to what Florida did to Mississippi? I don't think it is. I think Florida at its peak, and not that Mississippi played particularly great that game, but certainly, you know, Florida's got, at its top level, has looked better than Georgia, I think, particularly with the current roster and with Chubb out. Then the best game Georgia's played this year has been, what, South Carolina? And I, yeah. You know, and I think that, Certainly, we realize now South Carolina is pretty terrible. Florida played at a higher level against Mississippi than Georgia did South Carolina, and this is a diminished Georgia team. That makes me very concerned. Yeah, I just don't know where our offense is going to come from because we've seen, even against Missouri, you can't just run up the middle. Michelle just doesn't have it. He's more prone to do his damage off tackle or you know, kind of a swing pass you know, in the flats. And then is Brendan Douglas really the guy that you can pound it? Maybe we'll see a little bit more of Quavon Hicks. Maybe he'll put his old face mask on that he wore against Clemson a couple years ago and scare the guys. I don't know. I think that you know, the short passing game is going to have to be on point. And, you know, Malcolm Mitchell is going to have to have about 10, 11, 12 catches and target and even more targets. He's going to have to be our Julio Jones this week in order for us to really rise up and be able to beat the Gators. So, OK, what's George's path to victory in this game? You know, because this feels like a game where Michelle is, is he's, he's been looking good. But, you know, he's not this is a game where you really miss Chubb. <laughs> like obviously you miss Chubb every game, but this is the type of game that I feel like Georgia needs to be able to settle down and move the chains and play kind of the old man football idea in a way that Michelle's not necessarily that kind of back. And we've certainly not, I don't know if I trust Lambert to be that kind of quarterback to me that you're right, Scott. I think the problem is where the points come from. And Missouri is a good defense. Florida's defense is better or just as good. And I think Florida has more, explo- uh, more, more of explosive offense. Georgia's, we talk about Lambert and we talk about Michelle, but to me, the defense is going to have to play. Like, I feel like they've got to hold them to 10 to 14 points or less, or, or Georgia's not going to win this game. Yeah, well, I, I was just about to say, I think, I think the path to victory of this game is really a field position game for, for Georgia which doesn't make me feel great about our chances for a victory. But, you know, the, Georgia's running game is still pretty good. Uh, it's not near, If we had Chubb, I would feel much more comfortable in saying that, that we have a path to victory that, that is clear. Um, but we have to involve the tight ends in the short passing game. We have to, under no circumstance, run the wide receiver screen where we're asking Terry Godwin to try to block Vernon Hargraves or Terry Godwin to do anything in the, on the same field with Vernon Hargraves. And nothing against Terry Godwin. I mean, he's, he's a good ball player. It's just that was not a positive situation. And then limit mistakes on special teams. It wouldn't hurt my feelings to get a um, get a gift touchdown somewhere. We're certainly capable of that. But you know, we have to really limit mistakes on the special teams and offensive side. And we have to score points. We get inside the twenty. We have to take shots in the end zone. Something we just didn't do against Missouri. So you know, the path to victory is confident offensive play strong defensive play and limit mistakes on uh, special special teams. Yeah, I feel like they need to score points on special teams. To be honest, I feel yeah, like... Yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. that's right. Maybe yeah. that's right. 
I think it's very important that we all recognize, just important, and this is a very, very important thing to recognize. Uh, gators eat boogers. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting there thinking you were about to really bring a hot take, and you go with the booger eating part. That was a hot take. Oh. That was a hot take. There was no question. Yeah, no. It's, well, I, I'm going to be down there. Somebody said, are you really going to that game? I was like, I don't miss this game. Why would I miss this game? And, Scott, I, I, do, I would completely respect your position on this, but uh, it's Georgia, Florida. I have to be down there. Trick or treating? No, I, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trick or treat. Now, one thing that I, I would like to say about this game: if Georgia wins this game, everything feels different. <laughs> like everything, of feels, it does. like that that crowd against Kentucky is going to feel a lot more hyped up than that crowd against Missouri. And to me, you know, if they can win this game, and again, you know, I, I've been a little down on their chances, but Florida is, you know, it's still, this is still not a great team. Like Florida is, this is a very, very down year for the SEC East and Florida might be able to stick it out. They win this game. They've obviously got to stick down and win, and win the, win the division. But like, I don't feel like they're this great team. This is a potentially winnable game for Georgia. And if they win this game, then you've got Kentucky home. All it takes is that all, all the whole season feels is going to come down to that Auburn, that game at Auburn, I guess a diminished Auburn team that just lost to Arkansas. To me, the, everything is different, and we every it doesn't it not only does not feel like a lost season, it feels like a, a huge opportunity arises if you can just win this one game on the, the Florida Georgia game. You can turn everything around. You did it again. Oh, sorry, the yeah. Georgia Florida. Well, game. sorry. Yeah. You know, the real dark side, Tony says, this is the kind of game where we go in and win. It went big, win the SEC East, and then lose to Georgia Tech and make them bowl eligible. That's what dark Tony says. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's not go down that path. Yeah, that is a dark place. <laughs> well, I've got the, I think that's good. That's about a 25-minute clip on previewing the game. You know, one thing I'd like to do is thank the listeners for all of their feedback from last week's episode. It actually makes me want to do another ranking list because the feedback was so immense. Um, we got Tony and I got some emails to the WSLS podcast at gmail.com box. Uh, we got a lot of tweets to the WSLS podcast Twitter handle. And basically, Will, I made the observation last night that on the conversation Tony had that will never be heard by anybody <laughs> that it was amazing to me how the teams at the top being Tennessee, Florida and Auburn, and then maybe a few South Carolinas thrown in there. The top four were very consistent as was the team that was least objectionable, which goes to Ole Miss. Everybody loves Ole Miss. And I made a, a comment on Twitter about how no one hates Ole Miss. Everybody loves Ole Miss. I just found it interesting that unanimously through the Bulldog Nation that that was the case. I, you know, we play them next year, so it'll probably change. But right now, Ole Miss is uh, best buddies with Georgia fans. Yeah, and I actually heard from a, a friend, a guy I haven't seen in 20-something years who listened to the podcast in Aspen, Colorado, a guy by the name of Dan Cleary, who, I, like I said, hadn't ran into him in 20-something years and then got a message from him that he was, uh, he was pretty fired up. He's a, he's, a, he's a good dog fan from Harlem, Georgia, and it was, it was good to hear from him. So I'm glad, I'm glad listeners enjoyed that. How does Harlem, Georgia get out to Aspen, Colorado? Uh, he actually went to Colorado for college. And he, he actually he lives lots better than the rest of us. He uh, he's a ski instructor and does all kinds of cool stuff out there. Like uh, he hikes for a living. I don't know. <laughs> On that note, he's out there shredding dope powder, bro. <laughs> uh, 
I will not be Sorry, doing well, that, that again. I will not be doing that. That was not again. at all something I expected to ever hear you say. Yeah, that's not really. That's we we have just. Uh, I just enunciated the opposite of my personal sensibility on humanity. That's right. So we don't have any Colorado teams in the Pick'em contest this week. So I will segue that into a very surprising North Carolina Tar Heel team going up against Pitt, who actually, okay, a very surprising Pitt team. They're two uh, six and one football teams kicking off on Thursday night, and North Carolina is the road favorite. I got to say, I got to pit Pittsburgh here. Uh, North Carolina is a paper tiger. I mean, they. They lost to South Carolina, and yes, the first game of the season, but their schedule has been really, really simple up to this point. Uh, I think they had Duke and Florida State in back-to-back weeks. It wouldn't surprise me in the least. They go from 6-1 and one to 6-4 and four in a heartbeat. Yeah, North Carolina is good, man. That Illinois loss doesn't feel so bad anymore. So as much as every Illinois loss feels bad. But, yeah, I'm, I, I like North Carolina in this game. Tony, you like Pitt. Will you like North Carolina? I, like I do. I like Pitt also just because of their field goal kicker and how he's won the last two weeks. Last name blew it, did not blow it, and he's won two straight games for Pitt, so I'm going to go with Pitt. Next game, it's another Thursday night game. Oregon, wow, Oregon is 4-3 and three playing at Arizona State 4-3. and three. Might this be the most disappointing uh, matchup of the season so far? We probably should have seen this coming with Oregon. They've got a lot of transition. They've got some quarterback issues. This is a transition year for them. You know, we probably shouldn't have expected them. Arizona State feels like more of an actual disappointment because this is your know, Oregon's going to be good next year. This is how Oregon rebuilds. They're still going to they're still going to make a bowl and still be fine. Arizona State. There were people picking them in the playoff. There were like smart people uh, picking them to be a playoff team. They're not going to get this turned around for a while. Whereas Oregon, Oregon's a pipeline. They're going to be fine. In fact, I. I feel like Arizona State is enough of a disappointment that I'm actually picking Oregon in this game. I'm going to pick Arizona State in a shootout because uh, Oregon's defense is just abysmal. But, you know, if this thing gets into, you know, into the 55-plus 50, points range, anything can happen. But I, I think Arizona State pulls it out. couple observations here. Nobody's going to see this game because it kicks off Thursday night at 10.30 p.m. Eastern. And so everybody will be going to bed. And Arizona State has the worst uniforms. They went from one of the best logos in all of college football with that little Sparky the Sun Devil mm-hmm. on the side of the helmet, and they've ruined them into these stupid pitchforks <laughs> on the side of their helmets. Oregon is now going back to the more of the Daffy Duck look on their helmet. I've seen that the past couple of weeks. But I can't go with that. I'm going what I think is going to happen, and I think Arizona State, by being at home, is going to win this game. Not to correct – not to correct, because I don't like to be that guy, but no one gets Daffy and Donald confused on my watch. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, <laughs> point taken, point taken. Daffy and Donald, yep. Okay. I, I, when I, when I, at the night of before my wedding, I, gave, I had to give a talk at the rehearsal dinner, and I tried to explain to people how, for me, the wedding felt like that scene in Who Framed Roger Rabbit where Daffy Duck and Donald Duck like have a piano battle because that whole movie is like Warner Brothers characters and Disney characters and all these different properties characters all hanging out with each other, which is me to what my wedding felt like. It's like, oh, it's my New York friends and my Illinois friends and my Los Angeles friends and my college friends all coming together like Daffy Duck and Donald Duck playing piano and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That's why I will never, ever get those two confused. <laughs> Fascinating. I learn stuff every time I talk to you. So on that note, since you did mention Illinois, that's our next game. Uh, on The first game to kick off on Halloween, a high noon kickoff, Illinois 
goes into Happy Valley and takes on the Jimmy Franklins of Penn State. I like the Illini in this one. I've been down on them the last couple of weeks. They had a lot of injuries. They have had 40 dropped passes this year. <laughs> Their top two wide receivers are, have both been out all season. They're actually both redshirting. So that's been an issue. But Penn State is terrible. <laughs> Penn State is actually terrible. Uh, Hackenberg is horrible. The one thing that's going, been going very well for, well for Illinois all season has been their defense. I feel like this is a game. Illinois needs two more wins to get in the bowl. This is one of them. I like Illinois in this game. Yeah, the drive for six advances this weekend. Illinois wins. I'm going to Riverside, y'all, and go with the Penn Staters. Boo. No offense, Will. No, no, oh, all offense taken. <laughs> okay, so this is interesting based on what happened last week, and we, I, we haven't even talked about it. Georgia Tech and their kick six, well, it wasn't a kick six, but basically the, one of the most improbable plays you'll ever see. Uh, they've improved their record, yay for them, to three and five, and they go up to Charlottesville and face the Wahoos of Virginia. As long as Virginia doesn't try a field goal at the end, I think they win. See, I, I'm picking Georgia Tech in this game. Georgia Tech, they have actually been better than Florida State the other day. Like, it's weird. Like, it, this is not like the Michigan – that ending was not like the Michigan-Michigan State game. Like, that, that wasn't one team that clearly deserved to win, losing because of a fluke play. Georgia Tech, like, he probably isn't making that field goal anyway, to be honest. Uh, it's, a, it's a questionable decision to even go for it. I feel like Georgia Tech I, – I know this is exactly – We've all of us have consistently gotten Georgia Tech wrong all year. When we think they're done, uh, they they come back and win, and we write them off. But I feel like they're this is going to turn them around and maybe get them to pile some wins together to make that last game of the year a little bit more scary. I like Georgia Tech in this game. I think Georgia Tech has some more bullets in their gun. I don't think they're as bad of a team as they've looked in their five game losing streak, and the fact that that win has been plastered all over ESPN and papers and social media everywhere. I think that it might have given them enough juice to go on a little bit of a roll, get up to about what's what six and five. No, let's see. I'll redo that. Five and six. They'll lose one more game, and then Georgia will keep them out of a bowl. But I'm getting ahead of myself. They're going to beat Virginia this week. Moving on to Southern California at Cal. Shootout, shootout, shootout. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. That game's got 57, 52 written all over it. Yeah. I like USC in this game. I, I, I love the fact that USC is better under interim coaches than full-time coaches. It's one of my favorite factoids about USC. I like USC in this game. Yeah, you know, I, I went back and forth when I put this game in the in the queue, uh, trying to figure out, okay, w- you know, what's the angle here? And it's it's got a really crazy close line, if I remember right. What's the line on that game? It's six, six for USC. Okay, wow, that's that's a little more than I thought it was. Uh, there's something about this USC team that they showed last week that they actually are playing better under Clay Helton than they were under Steve Sarkeesian. And, and I, I, I'm with you, Will. I, I just it's hard for me to see them going in there and losing. Um, Cal's going to score a bunch of points, but I think Southern Cal's going to score a bunch of games, a point two. Last week against Utah, USC freshman linebacker Cameron Smith had three interceptions, returned one for a touchdown. I think he's going to pick off three more passes of Goff, or is it Groff? I can't get it right. It doesn't matter. He's going to win the game on defense for Southern Cal for the second week in a row. I've got the Trojans. Oklahoma State 
ranked number 12, 7-0, very sad situation going on in Stillwater, goes to Texas Tech. And basically because of that, um, I'm going to pick Oklahoma State because I'm, I'm pulling for them from that awful tragedy. They looked really competent. They're quietly the best team in the Big 12 right now, top to bottom. I mean, you know, Baylor's got a better offense. Uh, there's maybe a little better defense. But they're basically Utah but under the – you talked pre losing last week, but under the radar. I pick Oklahoma State too. A um, SEC versus American Athletic Conference. Vanderbilt travels to Houston. <laughs> I have to say, if Vanderbilt wins this game, the SEC gets so much bragging rights. The worst team in the SEC, or the, one of the worst teams in the SEC, beats probably the team that right now, them or Memphis, is going to be the representative from the the other, the group of five conferences in, in that game. It's pretty wild if they were to win that game on the road. I don't think it's going to happen, though. I think Houston is going to beat them. And I think they may actually even be able to put some, put some points on them. Yeah, I think Vanderbilt's defense is going to be tested. The problem for Vanderbilt is they just can't they can't move the ball very well. Uh, I think you're right. I think Houston wins. If you're a betting man, this this spread is 13 and a half points. Houston's going to going to win by 30 or 35. I mean, this oh. is just easy money right here. If you were a betting man, uh, I have no idea what the over under would be, but Houston all day long on oh. this game. All right. And then uh, this is a big game here, um, you know, uncharted territory, really. Notre Dame, number nine, is going to Philly, and so is game day, uh, hmm. to take on the Temple Owls. I heard today that this is the first time they've been ranked in like 35 years or something, and this is also the first time while they've been ranked, they played another ranked team. And Notre Dame is favored by about nine and a half points in this game. You know, if you would have told me five years ago, that a two things that would be it would be amazing one that game day would go to temple and b that the guest picker would not be bill cosby (laughs) so i don't think temple's really very good they very well could have lost to east carolina who's not really that good last week i this is a cute little thing and good for temple i'm glad everyone's having a good time but notre dame is going to destroy them yeah we're not we're not gonna make any comments about al golden getting fired this week too um, it's just kind of one of those weird, weird things. Um, but yeah, I, I think Notre Dame wins fairly handily. So maybe the guest picker will be John Cheney. <laughs> yeah, there's something. Would that would that maybe happen? Um, you know what? I like Temple. I mean, they're ranked. They're seven and zero. They're undefeated. That's good enough for me. I know nothing about them. I kind of like their uniforms, and so I'm going to go with Temple. All right, now we are down in the SEC. This feels a little bit more comfortable talking about the Notre Dame versus Temple. Um, hey, it's our good buddies, Ole Miss. Big buddy Ole Miss is traveling to Auburn, and it is a Ole Miss is favored by about a touchdown on the road. That's a lot of points at Auburn, I have to say. For both for a team like Mississippi who alternately looks fantastic and alternately looks terrible, I'm wary. I have to say Auburn, both of these teams are so weird, and I actually, I'm picking Auburn straight up this game. I feel like Mississippi is going to lose this game and then come back and like, 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 I don't know who they have next week, but pull off an upset (laughs) because Mississippi is such a weird team this year. They're clearly better than Alabama, but I don't trust them on the road up seven points. 
Mississippi is that friend you have that is uh, it's just the funnest drunk in the world until he gets one too many shots at him, then he's going to pick a fight with the biggest guy in the room and lose. Um, it's just so weird how it's so weird. They lost to Memphis, and it didn't even look close. And then they just go in and just manhandle Texas A&M on the road. You know, the hard part about picking Auburn is I just have no confidence whatsoever in their offense's ability to do anything against a, an extraordinarily good defense. So i got to pick Ole Miss. Ole Miss travels uh, – or actually, Ole Miss uh, plays Arkansas at home next week, and Auburn travels to Texas A&M next week. So take that for what it's worth. But, yeah, I mean, I love Ole Miss. They were my least objectionable. Auburn was my most objectionable team. Who do you think I'm going to take? I'm going with the Rebels. All right, fair enough. All right, moving down to College Station. South Carolina pays a visit to the new expanded 100,000-seat stadium in Texas A&M. I mean, wow. They they went from in the in the hen house. Is that how you say it? In the hen house to the outhouse, or what is it? I don't know. The penthouse uh, to the outhouse. The penthouse to the poorhouse. Listen to me. I'm an idiot. I say hen house to the out. Whatever. All right, <laughs> so it's South Carolina at A&M. A&M is a big favorite by Vegas. And they yeah, should. A&M's going to score all the points this week that they didn't score last week and beat South Carolina by a bunch. Yeah, South Carolina. This, uh, shield your eyes, children. I agree. I have nothing else to say about it. Yeah, yeah. I think A&M's going to manhandle them. Now we got uh, this game used to be one of the last games of the year, and because of the crazy SEC schedule, it's now moved up to early uh, or no, I'm sorry, late October. I don't know where my mind is at. Tennessee goes to Kentucky. I feel like this is a game where Tennessee's talent starts to come back around. They looked all right last week. The offense really couldn't get anything going, but a lot, a lot of teams can't get anything going against Alabama. Kentucky's a team that may have missed an opportunity this year. This is probably as bad as the SEC East is going to be for a while, and they, they have not been able to capitalize from it. I actually like Tennessee in this game. Yeah, I, I, that's the only way to go here. I mean, my heart wants to say that Tennessee has a letdown after being so close and losing last week and a, and a in a game, they were actually really, really close to winning. But there's too much talent there. I, th- I think they win. I think both of these teams are the most schizophrenic SEC teams of the year. I mean, Kentucky will look great one week and they look awful the next. I mean, they almost lost to FCS Eastern Kentucky. I think Tennessee might have one of its schizophrenic weeks where we look back as Georgia fans going like, how did we lose these guys? I think Patrick Tolls and Mark Stoops in Kentucky being at home and being a night game are going to get up for this. They're going to put on their mirrored helmets and beat Tennessee. All right. Oof. Now, the game of the week, the only game that truly matters, 3.30, Uncle Vern will be bringing us the Georgia-Florida game. All right, I'll go first. I just don't see how Georgia scores enough points. I, I promise I'm not going to be like this about Eason <laughs> next year. This is not only a game that you need to put some points on the board. This is a, t- a game where you can't make mistakes. I don't trust the quarterback, and I don't trust the running game to be able to control the ball enough. I like Georgia's defense, and they're going to have to make plays. To me, this is the type of game that Georgia just doesn't have the horse on offense to win. So I'm picking Florida. I have a question, Scott. Are we talking about full-size Sony Michelles or real or, or tiny Sony Michelles? Full-size. Full-size Sony Michelles, Georgia by 100. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our hearts is there. There's a path of victory this game. So I'm going to pick Georgia, but, you know, I'm not – 
again, it's not going to be a high confidence point game. Uh, it rarely is, anyway. Uh, although last year, I would have put more points on it than I than I ever probably would have in the last twenty five years. <laughs> I, I just can't pick against Georgia here. Can't make myself do it. Understood. It's going to be Halloween. The teams are going to be wearing their red and their blue. They're not going to do as I suggested after writing Greg McGarity and Coach Rick multiple letters encouraging and Jeremy Foley encouraging to do the uh, the orange and blackout in Jacksonville. The kids will be ready to trick or treat, but yet every single person in Athens will be holding them back, saying "Not now, not now," because it's going to go down to the fourth quarter and similar. To 40 years ago in 1975, Georgia pulled out a 10 to 7 victory over the Gators. I have no idea who was playing quarterback back then. I wasn't even alive, but Georgia is going to win this game 10 to 7. That will be scary to watch a 10 to 7 game. But hey, that mean, hey, that's 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 two steps up from Missouri because there'll be two touchdowns scored. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Tony, I'm envious that you're going to be there. I will be in New York City, probably. Yeah, that poor, poor Will. Probably watching <laughs> watching the first half at a sports bar before hopping on a subway to get to City Field, where I will probably watch the second half on my computer in the press box. But I will be watching. I'm very excited about this game. I want a happy podcast on Sunday. I think it would be a blast. So I may have picked Florida, and I may have accidentally said Florida before Georgia multiple times in this podcast something that i will be cracking a ruler against my fingers to make sure i do not do again but i want georgia to win this game i, I must be starting to feel a little bit more comfortable in athens because i get i this game actually gets my blood boiling a little bit screw florida they eat boogers <laughs> they eat boogers people so i say yeah, go dogs I, I would root for florida against north korea there's no <laughs> way i can pick florida here wait you would root for them against north korea no, I root for North Korea over Florida. Oh, okay. yeah, that that makes more sense. I don't know if I would root for ISIS over Florida. I would just hope that's that's a root for the meteor game. North Korea is, has at least amusement value enough <laughs> to want to keep them going on. ISIS Florida. Let's just hope that uh, that the stadium has a. It's Florida. It would probably have a sinkhole anyway. Yeah, well, I'd probably root for Penn Wagers there. But. <laughs> How many guys in the press box will be tuning into Georgia Florida during the World Series? Well, it'll be, it should be over before the game starts. So I imagine there'll be plenty of people. Listen, most sports writers are <laughs> degenerate gamblers on football. So <laughs> they probably will be watching. Uh, they'll probably be watching that game at least. It's, it's an East Coast, so there'll be some Notre Dame Temple people probably watching. But on the whole, that's certainly the game that'll be on. <laughs> it'll probably be on the, the television screens in the press box before before the game actually is going. That's game four uh, that day. So for, as far as we know, someone could be going for a sweep that game. Before you get to the press box, there is a great Georgia bar that all the Georgia fans watch the games in New York City. It's American Whiskey. Oh, okay. Yeah, and Jennifer went there back when she was at New York Fashion Week earlier this year for the Vanderbilt game, and she said she thought she, she felt like she was in a bar in Athens. So if you get a hankering for it, Go into American Whiskey and pull on the pull for the dogs. That actually sounds like a good idea. If it's by the subway, because of course the subway to get out to City Field notoriously takes a really long time. This is on 30th Street. I could absolutely. You know what? I think I'm actually going to go watch the first half there. The only problem is I'll leave at halftime. I hope people you'll, don't think that you'll be hammered. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. That, that'll, that'll make for my game four recap for Sports Center. This should be very entertaining. <laughs> 
uh, he's the Sports Rider cover in the World Series. Of course, he's going to be hammered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of a rule. Kind of a rule. Say hey to you, Jay Carey, for us. I will. I will. I'll, I will get to the tallest building I can find in New York and yell it off the top. No, she'll be at American Whiskey. Trust me. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, I will definitely go say hi then. Hi, Eugene Carey. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to finish this up by saying go dogs and Gators eat boogers. Gators eat boogers. Go dogs. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to let y'all take it out. So uh, I'll just edit it to where we end this podcast with Tony saying Gators eat boogers. Thanks so much for listening. Certainly some of you are already down in the Jacksonville area or St. Simons and the Golden Isles. For those of you who are en route or planning to leave soon, travel safe. If you would like to reach out to us on Twitter, our show's handle is at WSLS Podcast. And while I'm on the topic of Twitter, I would also like to thank some of our Twitter followers, such as Cam McGrady, UGA Carey, Bernie Dog, Shan, Casey Dog 34, M Bates 46, Dog on Tap, and Dog Fan 1980 among many others, for the awesome interaction y'all provide. It's listeners like you that help make this endeavor that Tony, Will, and I have committed ourselves to so much more rewarding and enjoyable. You can subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. It takes two and a half minutes. I've timed it, and it's greatly appreciated by us. Make sure to get your picks in for the WSLS Podcast Pick'em Contest on funofficepools.com. Will, Tony, and I will be back on Monday with our reaction to what transpired in Jacksonville. Good luck to our dogs, and we'll see you back on campus next week. Take care. Gators, deep boogers. <laughs>